This is the Andrew Lake Podcast, and in this episode, we're talking about the album Broken River by the Tim O'Dwyer Trio. Broken River. This is the greatest modern jazz album that I have ever heard in my entire life. This is the one modern jazz album that has made the biggest impression on me. It's the one I put forth as the thing that holds all aspects, all virtues of modern jazz combined together. It's a relatively unknown album, as far as jazz albums can be known. And in terms of its virtuosity, I've never heard anything that stretches beyond it, at least to my ears, and at least within the modern jazz repertoire. I first came across this band as a young musician. I was moving towards the end of my high school studies. I was learning jazz piano at the Wollongong Conservatorium of Music, Australia. And I had quite a good understanding of jazz so far. I had learnt about the classics, Herbie Hancock, Art Blakey, Max Roach, Clifford Brown, Miles Davis, Chick Corea, the list goes on. And these are all pretty classic sort of jazz musicians. They're all standard repertoire, they're all standard listening when you learn about the jazz idiom. But I hadn't yet heard music from a modern living jazz musician. What is it like when someone studies the entire history of jazz? the entire mechanics of jazz, and they learn to play their instrument and take jazz virtuosity as far as it can go. On a certain night, I turned up to see music that was presented by Eric Dunan at the Wollongong Conservatorium of Music. Eric regularly presents modern jazz concerts there at this venue, and this was one of the first times as a young adolescent that I had turned up to these concerts. As I made my way into the auditorium, there was some jazz playing on in the background. And Tim O'Dwyer was there doing a little bit of a warm-up. And what he was doing was listening to the background music, which was actually some pretty hot, fast bebop jazz. And he'd listen to it for a couple of seconds and then play the exact lick from the recording, straight back over the recording. And I thought, this is it, this is the guy. This guy can play it without needing to hear it over and over again. This guy can play it by only hearing it once. This is our Mozart of modern jazz. This is our super virtuosic musician. What's this music going to sound like? What does modern jazz sound like today? What is at the forefront 
of modern jazz today and what unfolded over that next hour of the Tim O'Dwyer trio was nothing short of an absolute avalanche of colours, melodies, twists, turns, chords, sounds, symphonies, explosions of music. There was such a wide variety of details and interests and avenues that the band went into that it completely stretched my understanding of what jazz music could be so far out of what I already thought it could be that it completely blew me apart when a child screams at an amusement park ride we're not quite sure if they're screaming out of joy or out of fear there's a line somewhere between imitating nature and making music and some of what I heard during this set of the Tim O'Dwyer trio might not even be considered music. I've since learnt that this style is more like art sound or impressionist sound. And you can call it music or you can not call it music, depending on which definition of music you want to call it. But what you want to call it doesn't really matter, seeing as though it made an impression on me. Your typical pop song has about three or four chords to it. And the typical melody in a pop song on the mainstream radio has about six or seven notes to it. And for the jazz musician, this is quite bland, quite boring. This is where jazz elitism comes from. Because chords and melody and rhythm is best expressed through complexity, through fast changes through richness and the bebop era of jazz, the hot jazz, the steaming jazz of the 50s and 60s, really pushed how far they could get as many chords and as many complexities to their melodies into the music in as fast a tempo as possible. There was then this revolt against the bebops, the hot jazz, and in came the cool jazz most famously promoted by Miles Davis on his album Kind of Blue. And in cool jazz, what we do is we don't have so many chords, we don't have so many rhythms, we let things become much more simple. Let's just play on one chord. And let the musician explore their personality and their tastes with just one chord. And it's much more intimate, much more personal. And what Tim O'Dwyer Trio is, is a perfect marriage between these two. Because there are times when they're riffing on one chord, and allowing themselves to branch out in all sorts of different ways. And there are times when they're playing extremely complicated progressions. The instrumentation is Tim O'Dwyer on saxophone, Darren Moore on drums, and Clayton Thomas on the bass. This idea of having no chordal instrument, as in no piano or no guitar, is a modern idea, which is designed at allowing the musicians to have a bit more freedom in where they can improvise. They can make up their own chords as they go along. They can make up their own melodies. There's a lot less restriction compared to hot jazz or even cool jazz. 
But these guys somehow manage to marry a playfulness and a joy with strict, precise, accurate virtuosity. Some musicians learn extended techniques and processes and structures and become rigid in their playing. They become mathematical. And the music sounds stale. It sounds contrived. It sounds a little bit plastic or produced, even as a jazz style. But these guys somehow maintained their inner child and the humor and there's pops from the bass drum and they go into halftime and they do cheesy swing sometimes. And the other thing that struck me most about listening to this band was that point of attention of the phrasing. These melodies somehow seem to stretch into each other. Now, there's a little game in jazz, which is really one of the staples of jazz, which is setting up an expectation in the listener and then not giving it to them. A jazz musician, when they improvise, does many things, but one of them is to set up something, to set up a sequence and change it by either not delivering it or giving them something that's unexpected, sort of quirky. And in this style of modern jazz, of free jazz, they put forward this virtue of making you feel weird, of making you feel a little bit uncomfortable. And this is very much in the vein of Ornette Coleman. And if you're familiar with Ornette Coleman albums such as The Shape of Jazz to Come, then you can understand where this band, Tim O'Dwyer Trio, is coming from. And in fact, The Shape of Jazz to Come was delivered by the Tim O'Dwyer Trio. This band has taken all these different virtues of the hot jazz, the cool jazz, and the Ornette Coleman jazz, and brought them all together with virtuosity, accuracy, and playfulness. And it's so playful, you never know where one phrase is going to end. It seems like these ideas come out of nowhere, and each idea was so different. Each idea just hits against you. With that whole set that I saw of the Tim O'Dwyer trio, I was bawling on the edge of my seat. And even during the ballads, there are eccentric little details of sound that you can pick up only by seeing this band live. For example, there's one point where this sax player is sucking on the edge of the tip of his horn, and it's like this kissing sort of like... Like this, and he's, and he's kissing, and he's licking... It's like... And he's like, what's going on? And it's so quiet, and there's all these people in this, in this auditorium looking at this grown man making out with the tip of a saxophone and I am just there just trying to not burst out laughing over this weird wacky just obtuse weird sound I can't ugh, it's putting a chill in my spine and that's just one of these examples of having a wide range of quirkiness and unexpected delivery of 
twists and turns in the music. After the concert, a friend of mine, who had also been there at this show, who was learning bass at the time, said to me that the bass player played every single thing that the bass had ever been designed for, and a whole lot more, in just that one hour. And that's a fair enough summary, because there was every technique that you can think of. Staccato, harmonic movement, walking bass lines, bowing, stringing. And at one point, he's picked up all this junk, all these chains, all these bows and things, and bits of metal, and he's got this number plate, like a car number plate, weaved in the strings of his bass, and he's hitting it so that it vibrates and reverberates on these noises, and he's balancing bells and whistles and, and nuts all over it, so it's got this rattling sound. And on the surface, you might say that that's just being obtuse and eccentric for the sake of being weird, but if you can hear the music, it's actually entwined with the composition. There are musical changes in texture that are appropriate to the structural changes and the chapter changes of the music, which allow this perfect marriage of textural development and eccentricity to be blended together in composition. It's also very hard to tell where composition ends and improvisation starts. These guys seem to just stop and start at different times and be perfectly in time all over the place. So I think I'll play the first track off the album, which is called Mud Eye. And the progress of this song, the motivic development, will take you so far out and so crazy into chaos that you think it's lost, you think it's gone, you think the music has lost its structure, and then it hits with these three big hits and they're back to where they started. If you don't have jazz ears, this music is going to be too far over your head to understand. There's so much happening melodically and harmonically in this music that the majority of people don't even understand the first note of it. But for those of you with an understanding of the jazz history, this is an absolute orgy of audio adrenaline. There are even times in this where he's using his microtonal bends and his quirky sounds. If a duck is waddling with a sore foot across a plank towards a dam, this is what it would sound like. And I don't know where that duck is going to end up, but I think it's going to be somewhere around where the Tim O'Dwyer trio sounds like.
Mud Eye by the Timo Dwyer Trio from the album Broken River. The album cover is stills from a Super 8 film, sort of like a hint at this partial concept or implied concept in the sense that having no chordal instrument allows the bass player and the saxophone player to imply harmony ambiguously without committing to it. And I think that fits well with this album cover concept of using stills from a film, especially where they've got two boys in action. So there's two boys which are hitting each other with pillows or something or sacks of something. And it implies action. So I think it works well with the tapestry of this album. It's a bloody brilliant album. I don't know if it's still in print. It's quite rare. These are the sort of things that happen when you are a free jazz musician. You just do your album, do a limited print run, and when it's out, it's out. They probably don't know how much of an impression they've made on people. So this is me taking my chance to say that it is a fucking extraordinary album. I've listened to it hundreds of times. Hundreds of times, over years, and it still blows my mind. So I think I'll leave us with one more track, and this is the title track of Broken River. Thanks very much for tuning in, everyone. My name is Andrew, and we'll be back soon with more. This is Broken River.